Our New Testament lesson this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. And as I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals and beasts of prey, reptiles and birds of the air. And I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. But I responded, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were, and the Spirit told me to go with them and not to make any distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we went into the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had on us in the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they had heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. I'm going to level with you. I have absolutely no idea how to begin this sermon this week. I spent a lot of time staring at my little blinking cursor trying to figure out where to even begin with a passage about a guy named Peter falling into a trance. Because, come on, that's already pretty weird, right? <laughs> Falling into a trance, and then he sees a sheet come down from heaven, and it's covered in bugs and reptiles and birds and other assorted animals. But wait, in case this doesn't sound crazy pants enough for you just yet, there's more. The voice of God tells Peter that he's supposed to kill and then eat these animals. So it's not like I can very well get up in this pulpit and say, Good morning, everybody. You know those times when you're sitting around and you fall into a trance? You know how it goes. Happened to me three or four times this week. Those are the days, right? So I, th so I think the best way to start is just to acknowledge that this passage is just a teensy bit unusual to say the least, correct? You're with me? Okay, good. Let's set up a little context, though, because this story, in my opinion, is both way more strange, if you can believe that, way more strange, and at the same time, way more normal and way more common than it appears at first. 
So we have a guy named Peter. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, Peter followed Jesus, and ever since then, he's been preaching about Jesus. And he's found that a lot of Gentiles are starting to respond to his message. Essentially, what this means is that Peter has been on a preaching tour, but the people who have been the most receptive to his preaching are the wrong kind of people. These are people that he would have been told his entire life are unclean. People that he really shouldn't be interacting with at all, but he certainly shouldn't be interacting with them on a spiritual level, because from the perspective that he was born into... They weren't worthy of hearing or responding to the word of God. So Peter goes on this preaching tour. He's had great success, but not the kind of success that anyone was expecting because so-called unclean or impure or deviant people were the most receptive to the preaching. So when Peter gets back home, naturally, he's called into the principal's office. Apparently, some of the church leaders had heard about Peter's pseudo-success and were told that his bosses criticized him, wanting to know why he was going to unclean people and preaching to them and eating with them. Now, this word criticized is an intense word. It literally means something like the church leaders drew a distinction between them and Peter. It's like they're drawing a line in the sand, and they're saying, Peter, you're on the other side of this. They're getting ready to kick Peter, Peter of all people, out of the early Christian movement because he's including the wrong kind of people. So, he's dragged into the principal's office, he's brought before the board of directors, he got one of those we-need-to-talk texts. Whatever your image is, Peter is suddenly in one of those sweaty palm situations where he's being asked, what do you have to say for yourself? And what does Peter decide to say in this really tense moment where he needs to choose his words more carefully than he ever has before? What does he say to the board of directors when they ask, what do you have to say for yourself? He says... Well, guys, I was hanging out in Joppa, and I fell into a trance. So do you see what I mean here? That this passage is somehow even more strange than we first thought. Because seriously, this doesn't sound like the way you begin a story where you're defending yourself, does it? Does it? Grayson, why did you break curfew last night? Well, Mom, I was hanging out with my friends, and I fell into a trance. (laughs) No, Craig? Lynn, no? You nodded first. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Guessing it's not going to go over very well. Sorry to call you out, Grayson. It was between you or Kate, and I chose you. Kate's really happy. It's a weird explanation. Peter decides to go with it, though. And he describes that in this trance, God tells him to eat food that for hundreds of people, his people have been, or for hundreds of years, his people have been told is unclean. So again, this is another one of those instances where the story is actually stranger than it first seemed. Because what Peter is saying is that he and everybody that he's talking to believed that God told them not to eat certain foods. God told them not to eat certain foods. But now suddenly he finds that God is telling them to eat these foods. God is telling Peter, that stuff that you think I said is unclean, yep, Totally okay with it now. Go for it. Eat it. 
God is telling Peter to do something that he believes would be breaking God's law, something contrary to the Bible for Peter. But the message from God is very clear, which is what God has made clean, you must not call profane. And when Peter wakes up, he finds that this message isn't just about food, because of course it's not just about food, it's about people. Because when Peter comes to, he finds a group of people that he previously believed God called unclean, but he ate with them anyway. And the story ends with the people Peter's talking to saying, wow, well then, I guess this means that God is reaching out to the Gentiles too. And one more time, we just kind of have to acknowledge that this is one of those instances where the passage is a little bit stranger than it seems at first, because this story about falling into a trance and the sheets and the bugs, it actually worked. For some reason. Now, I said that this story is weirder than it seems at first, but I also said that it's way more normal and way more common than it seems at first. And here's what I mean by that. When we put all of the pieces together, what we find is a story about a guy who has a certain set of beliefs about God. He has a certain set of beliefs regarding how God works, what sort of people get to be associated with God, what's clean and unclean according to God, who is clean and unclean according to God. But then, this guy has an experience. He calls it a trance, and I'm glad that he does, because we see a lot of people in the Bible have visions, don't we? But this word trance is way less common. And I think the best way to delineate between the two is that a vision is something that someone receives, but a trance is something that you fall into. This word has a sort of disruptive connotation to it. So basically, we have this guy having an experience, and this experience hits him like a ton of bricks, and it leaves him confused about all of his clean-cut beliefs about God and how God works and who and what is clean or unclean in the eyes of God. And this, I would argue, happens all the time. Because I have a set of beliefs. You have a set of beliefs. We all have a set of beliefs. And like Peter, we may even think that we get these beliefs from the Bible. And they tell us about God and how God works and who is clean and unclean in the eyes of God and what is clean or unclean in the eyes of God. But then sometimes we have an experience. And it forces us to rethink all of that. So I'll give you an example that I heard from a priest when I was growing up. From around the 1960s to the 1990s in Northern Ireland, there was a conflict that they called the Troubles. And on one side, there were people who were mostly Catholics. They identified as Catholics. And then on the other side, there were people who identified mostly as Protestants. And what this priest decided to do was invite kids from the Catholic and the Protestant neighborhoods in Northern Ireland to the U.S. so that they could meet together and, and get to know one another on neutral territory. And maybe some good would come from that. So this priest struck up a conversation with one of the Catholic boys during one of the gatherings, and the boy said to the priest, Father, you lied to us. And the priest said, what do you mean? And the Catholic boy said, you said there would be Protestants here. I don't see any Protestants here. And the priest started motioning around the room and saying, well, there are some Protestant kids over there. Those kids over there, they're Protestants. And the Catholic boy said, that's what I mean, Father. You're lying to us. Those kids can't be Protestants because they don't have horns. This boy had a certain set of beliefs about God, 
and how God works and who and what is clean in the eyes of God. And part of that set of beliefs was that Protestants were so evil, they had horns coming out of their heads. But then this kid fell into an experience, and that caused him to question everything that he had been taught. So, have you ever fallen into something that suddenly causes you to rethink what you've always been told about God, how God works, who or what is clean in the eyes of God? Maybe there are some passages in the Bible that you've always interpreted one way, but then you hear another interpretation and it hits you, and it causes you to question what you've always believed those passages are saying. Or maybe there's a group of people that you've always been told are evil or unclean, but then you actually meet one of them, and you have that experience, and now, because of that experience, you have to rethink all of your deeply rooted perceptions about these people. Or sometimes it's as simple as reading a book. So our summer reading group is getting ready to start with a discussion on a book called Just Mercy. And I've heard from more than one of you that this book absolutely undid you. And in fact, I've heard from more than one of you, again, that it even changed your opinions about the death penalty. And the death penalty is certainly one of those issues that we have some pretty definitive opinions about. Yes? Yeah. But sometimes... We believe that those opinions come from the Bible, but then a trance hits us in the form of a book, and it changes everything. So again, I'll ask it. Have you ever fallen into something that suddenly caused you to rethink what you've always been told about God, how God works, who or what is clean in the eyes of God? Apparently what's captured in this passage really is more common than it seems at first, because we do have these experiences. So the question is, how are you going to respond when you have one of these experiences? Well, one way to respond is to dig in our heels. And this is a completely natural response when we're hit with something that challenges our beliefs, especially beliefs about God and how God works that we're convinced come from the Bible. Because that reaction even sounds a little bit heroic, doesn't it? We can frame it as standing firm in the face of doubt or oppression or persecution. But I want to suggest that that's not always necessarily the best response. And why not? Because you are here this morning. And if Peter had taken that approach and said, I'm having an experience that's telling me to question my beliefs about God and who or what God is and who or what is clean or unclean in the eyes of God, but I'm going to stick with my beliefs and I'm going to dig my heels in. If Peter had taken that approach, you wouldn't be here. I can almost guarantee it. And it's because this trance is ultimately what convinced people to allow Gentiles in the church. Any Gentiles here this morning? By which I mean non-Jews. Put your hands up, Gentiles. Yeah. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here if Peter had taken that approach. You're here this morning because Peter took a different approach when he was struck by an experience that caused him to question his beliefs about God and cleanliness and uncleanliness. Rather than digging his heels in, he leaned into that experience. He shared the experience with other people. He talked about this experience. And it didn't cause him to abandon what he believed the Bible was telling him. Instead, it caused him to expand his understanding of the Bible and God and who and what God calls clean and unclean. We need to lean into these experiences when we have them. We need to talk about them. And I know they're disorienting. 
Peter certainly knew they were disorienting. That's why he used such a heavy word like trance to describe the experience. We may even feel unfaithful when we actually ask the questions that these experiences prompt. But we have permission right here in the Bible, not for nothing, but from the guy who's regarded as the first pope. More than giving permission, this story actively encourages us to lean into these experiences. Not just for the sake of our own personal vitality, but for the sake of the entire church. Thanks be to God. Amen.